In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. Some of you probably know or can imagine that uh, a frequent part of my work is to spend time with folks in the last days of their lives. And it's a tremendous privilege to do that work. It's true that as priests, we often get some of the moments in between, the, the joys and the triumphs, as well as the tragedies that happen in between. But often as priests, the time we spend most intensely with people is either toward the beginning or toward the end. And those last days with someone, um, often there are some things that people have in common. There are certain characteristics that repeat. The themes are similar. And in large part, that's because we're all people, right? That makes sense. We come to the same gate, and we often have some of the same concerns. And one of them, very frequently, is the desire to be seen fully for not just me, but for the person's family to see them as a whole person. Not just the person who's in the bed, not just the person who's ill, but to remember them as a whole person when they were young and they could move around the way that they wanted to, when they weren't ill, when they had a different kind of life that, like all of our lives, was messy and complicated um, and often brilliant and beautiful. People want to be seen as whole people in the last days of their life if they're afforded those days, the luxury of that time to say goodbye. And a few years ago, I spent time with a woman who I knew fairly well, who was a parishioner of mine. And as I said, I knew her fairly well, but she kept coming back to this theme with me over the course of a couple days of, you don't really know who I am. And it took me a day or two, honestly, to, to I, it just, it didn't sink in right away, right? There's a lot going on in those situations. And, and so it took me a day or two to get to a place where I finally stopped what I was doing and said, okay, tell me who you are. And she did. She told me a ton of stories, all kinds of stories about her life, about her family, about her children. This time was also sort of spotted with other people coming in, so they got to hear those stories too, which was good for her, good for her children. She wanted to be seen as a whole person. She wanted us to know her as someone who had made mistakes, who had gotten things wrong, who also had worked really hard and done some really good things. And she told us about the things that she hoped she had gotten right. And I think there was tremendous peace for her in hearing, especially from her children, that she had gotten some of those things actually right, that they would carry that with them, that she had taught them things and she had left them a certain kind of legacy. She wanted us to know that she wasn't perfect, but that she had tried really hard. Who are you? Who are you? Our texts this morning hinge on that question as well. Who are you? In Hebrew scriptures, we heard the, the really, it's the best moment in the story of Esther. It's the moment when she tells everyone who she is. It's the moment, too, when we see some vindication, right, for the people of Israel. 
You don't have to remember much of the story to be able to piece together the fact that as a queen, she would have had the ability to just sort of settle into her position, trade her identity for physical and emotional safety, choose to just kind of go with the flow. She could have just settled down and, and made sure that she was safe and maybe her immediate people, right? But she doesn't do that. Even in this text today, she takes a tremendous risk, risks her own life, which is not totally visible in the text that we're, that we're looking at for today, but that's what she's doing. She's risking her own life and her own health and safety to say who she is, to own who she is, and not just who she is as an individual, but who she is is inextricably linked to her people, who she's also trying to save, and to the God that she knows she belongs to. And that's what she does in this text. She names herself as a, people, as a person, as a member of the people of Israel. And she names herself as one of God's beloved. And by doing so, she saves her entire people. Unwilling to trade her identity. Unwilling to give up who she is. Who are you? And then, of course, because we're sort of nearing the end of the season of Pentecost, we come to the gospel where the disciples are trying to figure stuff out. And in this season, they always seem to figure wrong. <laughs> but the question here is still the same. It's who are you? Now, in the text that we didn't hear last week, because we celebrated St. Matthew, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. And that's the text that immediately precedes the passage that you heard from the gospel this morning. First, it's who is the greatest, right? And they're having an argument about, amongst themselves about which disciple gets to be closest to Jesus. Who's the most important? Who's the best disciple? Jesus doesn't react super well to that. And then this text comes immediately after it, and we have the disciples complaining that there's this, there's this guy who's doing good things in the name of Jesus, but he doesn't follow us. So two problems there. First of all, they seem to have lost track of who they are and who Jesus is. People should be following Jesus, not us. So there's a, a sort of misplacement of their importance in the situation. But also, they're spending a lot of time deciding who's in and who's out, who belongs and who doesn't. And they're essentially defining who they are based on who these other people are. We're in, but those people aren't. And I don't know about you, but in my experience, people who know who they are don't usually define themselves in negative terms. They usually tell you who they are instead of telling you who they're not. And so we have the disciples here trying to figure out what to do with these people that aren't as important as we are, who don't have the right to use Jesus' name. They don't belong to us. They aren't following us. They, they haven't been through what we've been through. Who do they think they are? And Jesus, again, is not super excited about this response. And he tells them, he, he warns them, actually, I think pretty starkly, that if they, if they put obstacles in the way of these other people, it will end up hurting them in the long run because they're responsible for the faith of others. They've had more access to Jesus. They've had more close contact. They've heard him talk more. They're, 
They're closer to him in so many ways, and still their first instinct is to decide who's in and who's out. And Jesus is sort of frustrated with this at this point and sort of says, no, <laughs> whoever isn't against us is for us. How, you know, how many times do I have to explain to you that we want people to be with us? And the only in and out criteria is whether you're following Jesus or not. Right? There's no other rules. Is Jesus your guy or not? Who are you? The disciples still don't know which actually is good news for us. It's, it's good news for us that they're so wobbly, that we have all of these examples of the disciples kind of not knowing who they are and not knowing what they're supposed to be doing because honestly, that happens to all of us all the time. And so it's nice to see that even people with all this access to Jesus still get it wrong sometimes. It leaves some room for grace for the rest of us. And yet... We have this, this question of who are you? My friend who, who passed away several years ago was very clear to name the things that were really important to her. She was very clear about what it was she wanted to, left, to leave behind. She was also very clear about her faith, which is what sort of lit this whole experience. And it's true that when we come to those last days, it's very obvious who has spent time in their life wrestling with their faith and who hasn't. And that's not intended to be a judgment. Um, but what it is, is, is the, the truth that if we have spent time with God, if we have wrestled with Scripture, if we have sort of created a church muscle memory for ourselves, then those last days are easier. Yes, like everyone else, there are similar themes and there are moments when we wonder and we doubt and we ask questions, but if you have really looked at, at this, if you have really done your work on yourself, if you have searched for God, those last days tend to be a little more comfortable because you've laid a foundation. That foundation was a part of this woman's life. It was a part of her being, and it did, in fact, make those last days much calmer. Like Esther, she knew who she was, and she knew whose she was. She knew that she belonged to God. And so she might have wondered and had some questions and some doubts from time to time, but she returned constantly to that foundation of knowing who she was. She didn't have to define that in terms of anyone else. She wasn't there to decide who else mattered and who didn't, like the disciples. She just had done the work. Now, there's a couple of other things in the gospel, but the only other piece that I'm going to talk about this morning, if you want to talk to me about cutting things off, I'm here to talk about it outside. Come see me. I'm not going to do that in the midst of this sermon. It's a little too much for one sermon. But the other piece of the gospel that's really useful for where I'm headed today is this sort of sort of helpful, but also sort of pesky thing that Jesus does about salt at the end. Now, salt in the ancient world had three particular uses. It was used for seasoning food, like we still use it. It was used for preserving food. We do that as well. But the, the way that we don't use it as often is that it was used to clean things. It was used to purify things. It was sort of a, an ancient version of soap. And so when Jesus is talking about salt and salt that loses its saltiness, 
There's a couple of things there for us to pay attention to. First, he's trying to tell the disciples who they actually are. If they actually live their life, if they actually follow him, what they're going to do is transform the world by doing those three things. They're going to season the world around them. They're going to make things brighter. They're going to bring out certain flavors, certain truth, certain justice. They're going to preserve the things that are important. Tradition, friendship, loyalty, the story of Jesus. And they're going to be able to purify things. We know that they do. Tradition goes ahead and purifies a whole lot of things. And in some ways, we're still trying to do that as the Spirit leads us towards perfection. So the invitation to be like salt is to be aware that you have an effect on everything around you if you're following Jesus. But the warning about losing the saltiness is important too because if we lose that, we have no purpose at all. Right? I'm actually not sure what salt is if it's not salty. I've never encountered that, but I think we can all understand the image. You can't do what you were created to do you sort of don't have a purpose, right? And so the invitation of this last part of the text is to be very, very aware of what our purpose is. To do the work, to figure out who we are, to lay the foundation with God so that when those last days come for you, you know who you are and you know what you're leaving behind. And also now, to be aware that Jesus is inviting you to do something meaningful, to live out the purpose that you were created for. Each one of us was created with work to do, with gifts to give. And if we don't do them, then we're like salt that has lost its saltiness. How do you season it? What is the point? What is the purpose if we take all that we've been given and we don't use it for God's purposes? So this morning, I would ask you, who are you? Are you worried about defining yourself against other people because it's a common thing in the world, right? We're taught to do that all the time. We're constantly looking at what other people are doing, what other people are thinking. I do it too. I worry about those things all the time. And the invitation is for us to do the work, to know who we are within ourselves. Are you laying a good foundation? Are you and God wrestling through what you believe? Are you and God laying the, the stones that you can trust when you come to those last days? Do you have a solid relationship? Do you feel like you need to work on that? Are you doing the work that God's given you to do? You have specific gifts that only you can use. And you are intended to salt the world. Have salt among yourselves and be at peace. Amen.